This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hey folks, Evan Gulak here. Before we get to your regularly scheduled obituary, I wanted to tell you about a hilarious fiction podcast. Josie's Lonely Hearts Club is a semi-improvised audio drama set in the studio of New Mexico's third best romantic advice call-in show. The show splits its time between antics in the radio station and a gradually unfolding story about our insightful host. I got a chance to listen to the first episode and found its easy charm and offbeat humor made it difficult to stop listening. You can tune in to Josie's Lonely Hearts Club anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow them on Instagram at Good Story Guild. All right, goofballs, back to Crestfall you go. The funeral of Charlotte Dawson was perfect. It was simple, subtle, and silent. There was a rarefied stillness to the air. There were walrus balloons tied to her casket. The wild man played a sublime rendition of Concerto No. 23 in C minor on a violin he had made out of a dead possum. There was no wake. There were no eulogies. A chilled silence had befallen the crowd as a misty evening rain enveloped the Crestfall graveyard. Heads hung low, eyes remained shut, mostly to keep the rain from getting in people's eyes, but also because they were sad. Funerals are peculiar that way. Someone bites the dust, and the living look to one another and say, you know what? I'm sad. You're sad. Why don't we all just stick this body in a box, stare at it for a while, and then bury it as deep into the earth as we will bury our depression afterwards. Autumn was coming to an end. Just a few weeks ago, the trees would have been aglow in a vibrant, fiery orange and red and yellow. By now, they have mellowed to gold and rust and beige, turning opaque in the moonlight as the rain subsided and the clouds parted. There we were, a crowd of the still living, staring at a wooden box, waiting to bury it so we could move on with our lives and ignore our own suffocating fear of the fragility of life. 
Yes, Charlotte Dawson's funeral was perfect. For my friend, my truest friend, my only friend. A fitting way to lay her to rest in peace. That being said, Charlotte Dawson wouldn't be dead for long. Not if I could help it. Hello. I am the totally fine and emotionally stable obituary writer of this flawless town of Crestfall, Idaho. And this is Death by Dying. I'm not one to condone grave robbing. Body snatching tends to be for medical students, treasure hunters, and human taxidermists. But I would hazard a guess that most resurrectionists don't intend to resurrect the body they are stealing. Charlotte is dead, but she doesn't have to be. She shouldn't be. And I can bring her back, possibly. I have her still beating heart in a strawberry rhubarb jam jar, courtesy of Carlson & Carlson's delicious pastry shop, where the Carlsons serve delicious pastries. Her spirit is lost to the ether, which will be a considerably more difficult feat to recover. But for now, I simply need to exhume her body, a process I'm not unfamiliar with. I was alone in the graveyard, a single living soul in the parking lot of the dead. Mid-digging, I heard a noise. My eyes scanned the graveyard. Nothing. Then I saw it. A deer. Oh dear. Ordinarily, I wouldn't be concerned. After all, Walter Grimsley, the graveyard groundskeeper, cares not what you do in his cemetery, as long as you do it quietly. But a deer in his graveyard? Now that is another story. The deer looked at me. I looked at it. It nodded. I nodded back. For a few seconds, it felt like an unexpectedly pleasant moment of mutual respect. Just two living beings going about their business. A deer wandering the cemetery, and an obituary writer absconding with the corpse of his dead friend. But then, the deer cocked its head to the side, a little too unnaturally far. It crept between the gravestones, its head still bent at an irregular angle. It crawled right up to me, until it was mere inches from my freshly clean-shaven face. It sniffed me, and licked its lips. 
as though agreeing that my rose and patchouli cologne was the right choice. It craned its head to the sky. Then it winked. What? Walter burst from his cabin, and I scissor leaped over Charlotte's tombstone. Hmm. I could recognize the smell of that mangy musk anywhere. Show yourself, demon! demon? You don't expect deer to betray you, but then again, what is life but a long and agonizing series of dreadful surprises? The deer crouched low to the ground and edged away from me, its angular legs shuffling like a spider. Its tongue hanging out, drooling. I held my breath. Quiet obituary writer. Quiet. You brazen brutes have tormented me for the last time! The deranged deer bolted, vanishing into the bramble of the dark woods. I had less than very little time. Walter was approaching Charlotte's grave at rapid speeds. Ah! My head was spinning like a drunk finger puppet. There, I spotted my salvation. A mausoleum. It wasn't ideal, but there it was. I made my break for it. And Walter immediately shot at me with a crossbow. The arrow ricocheted off the tombstones. The year was 1872. My great-great-grandfather, Dunderforth Grimsley, he discovered a scraggly doe feasting upon the flowers he left at great. Dunderforth retaliated like the noble man he was. He poisoned the flowers, smart, but it only made the deer stronger. And so the centuries-long feud began. Deer versus man, man versus deer. I moved as fast as my dainty feet would carry me. You need only be one step ahead of the bullet behind you. At least, that's what the epitaph said on a grave I passed. The grave belonged to one September Brogan, a dueling gunwoman in 18th century Crestfall. To this day, she holds the fastest record for outrunning a speeding bullet until she was killed by a separate and completely unrelated bullet coming from the other direction. Anyway, I was being shot at. <sighs> <sighs> you dear nothing but tricksters. Kind of starting to appear more human by the year. I ran confidently into the gate of the mausoleum, but my momentum was halted. The gate did not budge. Ow. Another ram into the mausoleum gate had no further effect. Walter Grimsley drew closer. <laughs> when aggressively slamming into a door doesn't work, a set of professional lock-picking tools should suffice. The lock clinked open with a healthy dose of jimmying and jamming from my trusty Twistflex torsion wrench. I eased the gate open to reveal a web of tripwires covering the floor. 
And that is when I realized I was inside the mausoleum of Dunderforth Grimsley. You fool! My dear old great-great-grandpappy rigged this coffin! You won't stand a chance! I had no choice. I tiptoed between the tripwires, closer and closer to the tomb of Dunderforth. There was only one thing left for me to do. When your life depends on it, laying next to a decaying corpse isn't so bad. I settled down next to Dunderforth's remains, making myself as small as possible, as though this would somehow decrease my level of existence in this world. I would be safe from the revenge-bent groundskeeper in here. As long as I didn't set off the detonator, clasped in his great-great-grandpappy's skeletal hands. Hmm. It was actually kind of peaceful in the tomb. I could see the appeal. I could see myself moving into a place like this in my retirement from life. Nothing bad could happen to me here. Thought you can hide from me, eh? <laughs> you can't outsmart the smartest man in the grip. The bottom of the tomb began to vibrate and crackle beneath me. The corpse of Dunderforth Grimsley began shaking his head in rhythm, as if to say, uh-oh. And that is when the bottom of the tomb gave way. <laughs> I was sent tumbling into an abyss. Down, down, down. And now, the condolences. Condolences brought to you by the Never After Funeral Home and Beauty Parlor. They say, if you're a corpse, come on down. Our mortician beauticians are so talented, you'll look better than when you were alive. However, if you're a living customer, we advise you to stay away. Our hairstylists could uh, use some practice, and you will likely walk away wishing you looked like the corpses. The deranged deer of Crestfall also send their condolences. They say, Thank you, deranged deer of Crestfall. Your words could calm even the stormiest of minds. Above me, the hole in Dunderforth's tomb was a distant speck of dusty moonlight. Walter's curses had become but a faint echo. I could feel soil against my back, soft, doughy, and damp. In my left hand was the detonator, which I had caught at the very last second. I gingerly slipped it into my suit pocket. One never knows when explosives may come in handy. At least, that's what another epitaph said on a grave I had passed. As my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I realized I was in a long, twisting tunnel. It appeared to have been crudely carved through the underground, like an animal burrowing into the earth. Roots snaked from the walls. Along the ceiling were the bottoms of coffins. 
I was beneath the cemetery, inside the cemetery, where no living soul was meant to enter. I'll admit, there was something rather thrilling about it. As I proceeded down the passageway, I walked past coffin after coffin, as though I was moseying down a sleepy suburban neighborhood. I wondered which deceased neighbors they were. Who used to wave to me from their porches on early morning strolls as they drank their freshly ground coffee? A local shoemaker? An elderly seamstress? That one annoying mother at parent-teacher conferences who demands their child receive a better grade even though the child has clearly demonstrated no ability whatsoever to conjugate verbs into the nosotros form. Who now resided motionless around me, arms crossed, eyes closed, skin paled and sagging. The end of the passageway branched off in three directions. A maze of coffins. That fickle itch of curiosity tickled the back of my neck. Who constructed these tunnels, and why? An eerie hush held the underearth in its grasp. A groan sprung from the darkness. I squinted. Up ahead, rocking back and forth, was a man. He quickly curled himself into the fetal position. He was completely naked, save for a loincloth that appeared to have once been whitey tidies. His cheeks were sunken, his face was covered in a poorly executed beard, but there was something familiar about his face. Excuse me, sir. Are, are you okay? Did you have to do that? You startled me raw. Gert? Obituary writer. Is that really you? It, it's good to see you. Well, I'm gonna slap you in the face until you feel like a silly boy. Uh, hey! You ruined my life, you swine! Gert, Gert, please! Would you stop it with the Gert thing? That's not my name! Uh, cut it out! You nearly uh, killed me! Stop! And my poor Bernard. Oh, uh, uh, Bernard! You will pay! Uh, but Gert, it wasn't my fault. Technically, Bernard shot you. By accident. Bernard's hand got blown off. By accident. And then she was decapitated by a loose cannonball. By accident. And it wasn't your fault either. Don't blame yourself for the death of your beloved. Very well, you pretty man. I still blame you. Mm-hmm. But I need your help getting out of this wretched place of horror. How did you end up here? It feels like an eternity. And yet also like exactly two and a half months ago. I was shot in the stomach by my dear Bernard and went into a state of shock. Even the slapper could not wake me. Everyone was so distracted with White's death, the scoundrel. And my oozing stomach was yucky, so they just figured I was dead and tossed me in a coffin and buried me. And then I found myself here. Where exactly is here? 
It gets lonely down here. My only friends are worms. But then I have to eat them. For sustenance. Slurp them up like spaghetti noodles. Ew. But Gert... Uh My dear, sweet, crunchy, delicious friends. It's dark down here. I've developed a vitamin D deficiency. It's made me itchy. Don't call me a rat man. I can see it in your eyes. I know I'm a rat man. I really just want to find out. Sometimes I'm accosted by visions of buxom women who are calling my name, whispering for me to come hither. Oh my god. And hither I go. But they vanish without a trace. Um, Gert. Sometimes I yearn to be held. So I cuddle with the corpses. But they never hold me back. The embrace is not returned. You understand? The unrequited spooning, you might say. I am always the big spoon. And who doesn't want to be the little spoon? That sounds really hard, Kurt, but... I am lost. Alone! In the nude. It's terrible. Horrendous, okay? Dreadful, awful, heinous! And my guts are still hanging out of my tummy. They're getting stinky. You want to touch him? Uh, that's quite all right, Gert. Your guts aside, please, do you know anything about these tunnels? Ah, yes. They go across the entire graveyard. I've tried to escape, but even if I get up to the coffins, the coffin lids won't budge under the weight of the dirt. So in short, you know, you're doomed. Better get comfortable now. Would you happen to be interested in being the big spoon? Hmm? All I want is to retrieve my friend. She was buried here not too long ago. And once I have her, I may just have a way out. I reached inside my suit pocket and pulled out the detonator. Gert's eyes widened. Oh, kablooey. Indeed, kablooey. 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 The only problem is, how do I find my friend from under here? Oh, you mean the new one? I can get you there. I know these tunnels like I know the guts in my tummy. I can see it all. All is known to me. Take me to her. Very well. Hither or thither we go. Gert led the way, hobbling like a sad goblin. The coffins went by overhead. I found myself, as I often do in the presence of death, becoming pensive. Seeing a cemetery above ground provides the illusion of normalcy. You walk among the graves and think to yourself, yes, of course, this all makes sense. Someone dies, we dress them up, and then we seal their coffins tight so we don't have to think about them rotting away. We don't want to imagine maggots finding a home in their skulls and hosting dinner parties over a splay of delectable brains. Cheers! Cheers!
Maybe the maggots gossip about current events inside their chest cavities. This just up, the president has died. Oh no! Good riddance. Or host game nights in their eye sockets. G2. Oh, you sunk my battleship. <laughs> Do maggot couples fight? You did it again! I'm sorry. Maggie, <laughs> Maggie, calm down, Maggie. Did Marcus the maggot forget about his anniversary with Maggie the maggot? Did she cry herself to sleep in an ear canal that night? Did Marcus make it up to her by bringing her to where your grandmother's heart once was? This is where I fell in love with you. Please forgive me. Oh, Marcus, I love you. I love you too. We don't like thinking about such things. We don't want to think about the social lives of maggots, and certainly not how they pertain to our dead loved ones. And so, we don't. Indeed, seeing the cemetery from above, it all made sense. But seeing the coffins from below, it all seemed so strange. We all return to the earth, destined to the soil. No matter what you believe happens after we die, we all end up down here, slowly becoming a part of the Earth again. And perhaps there is something beautiful about that. But even I was guilty of rejecting that reality. Surely Charlotte wasn't dead, or at least wasn't dead forever. I could change that, right? I stood apart from the crowd of common grievers Charlotte's heart was still beating. Perhaps sometimes death could be reversible. Perhaps there was no need for me to grieve. Charlotte didn't belong here yet. Ahem. <coughs> oh. Sorry. And here we are. Well, there's only one thing left to do. Here. This should help. Why are you giving me this? I thought you could use a hand. Whose arm is this? Does it matter? Works like a charm opening coffins. Very well. Well, go on. Get your laughs and let's get out of here. My feet hurt. Are you sure you brought me to the right grave? You bet your sweet cherry bottom I did. It's just that, how do I put this? It's empty. Charlotte isn't here. There was a shift in the air, a humming vibration, an electric crackle. It sort of tickled. I felt giggly. From the corner of my eye, two cloaked figures glided by. But when I turned to get a better look, they were gone. Ah, yes, the hideous monsters. That lived down here. The what? Did I not mention? This might be a good time to run. We stumbled through the dark, my heart pounding in my temples. Come on, you're so slow. You're not a sewer boy. You're a land man. The cloaked figures manifested at a crossroad ahead. Vacant eyes. Jagged fangs, faces like misshapen clay. The Silent Nuns.
pins and needles ran down my limbs. My racing heart slowed to a gentle rhythm. Against my will, my lips crept upwards into a smile. This is our domain. Our home of hopeless paradise. What are you doing here, our precious child? could say the same to you. What better place to feed than where people come to grieve? Beneath the graves, beneath the feet of waters, where the soil is soaked with tears. Where's Charlotte? What have you done with her? In unison, they stepped apart. Look, she's happy to see There she was, Charlotte, propped up by the silent nuns, lifeless, but she was smiling. We thought we'd cheer her up, just for you. I thought I could handle it. I thought I could see her with the hope that she wasn't gone forever, but to look at her limp body conjured an unbearable, unshakable dread. My sight blurred with tears. Excellent. Feel the pain. Feel the fear. Let it fill you to the brim. But no need to let it consume you. We can do that. Their mouths opened wide, revealing endless rows of teeth. The heaviness in my chest lifted. The tears floated from my eyes in quivering droplets, and the empathic vampire's long, slithering tongues licked them from the air. They wanted my sadness. They desired my grief. They craved my despair. Charlotte had said the fake happiness the nuns gave was better than living with reality. At the time, I didn't know what she meant. But now, maybe she was right. Maybe it was better than nothing. Better than the weight we carry when we lose someone. Happiness surged through my body. My vision brightened. I miss her so much. <laughs> Thank you. Our pleasure. Don't fall for their dastardly tricks, obituary writer. I'm doing this for you, you sweet loving boy. Gert lobbed himself onto one of the nuns, and it batted him to the side, like it is a human tennis ball. The nun's habit toppled to the ground, revealing its true form. Perverse, demented, animalistic. A deformed body covered in throbbing black veins. The world dimmed as I came to my senses. Distracted, the other nun dropped Charlotte, and I dove to catch her. Leave her! With no body, there is no one to mourn. 
Swung a severed corpse limb. The empathic vampire coiled on its haunches, ready to pounce. Gert turned to me. Don't worry, you beautiful man. You gorgeous boy. I'll hold them off. But, Gert. I lived a good life, obituary writer. Well, not really. I, it was pretty miserable, to be honest. The food at my favorite restaurant was just okay. But I'm a sucker for discounts at Don's Dinner Bucket. You hear me? Don's Dinner Bucket. My best friend was a teddy bear named Snuggles Mickey. The only woman I ever accidentally loved accidentally shot me. I say that I love her, but sometimes she wouldn't even go into Don's Dinner Bucket with me. I think I'm too loyal to the brand. I'm serious, you really gotta go there. Some of their discounts are like the deepest things I've ever seen. And I'm underground. I was a kind man. I was a giving man. But people gave to me, so it canceled out in the end pretty worthless. I had everything and nothing. But it was all right, I guess. A simple life for a simple man. Two plus two equals four. I don't know what that has to do with this, but there's no way I'd rather go than to be eaten by slippery snake people. I guess there's a few other ways I'd like to go, but that might hit my kink the hardest. Thank you, Gert. My name... <sighs> Breathe. My name is Marion. My name is Marion. Don't forget me. Oh, no. I should leave. Cradling Charlotte in my arms, I moved with the speed of a man who's been practicing better posture in front of his typewriter. Tunnel after tunnel, I scrambled like my life depended on it, but more importantly, like Charlotte's life depended on it. I rounded an earthy corner. Moonlight flooded the passageway ahead of me, the hole in the crypt. My escape. An empathic vampire tackled me to the ground. It sunk its countless teeth into me, and what at first felt like pain became a numb tingle. My panic drained away until I could hardly feel anything at all. I squeezed Charlotte's hand. Delicious, delicious. You like pain? Then I have the perfect present for you. Kablooey.
you solve murder cases. I'm Charlotte, by the way. It's my aunt, so. Oh, she's fine. No, she's dead. Sorry, I don't know why I said that. Yeah, she's quite dead. Please. She was my aunt. She was all I had going. I need to know why she's gone. I need to know why she's gone. I need to know why she's gone. It's okay. Write me a good obituary. Won't you? What? Angel? Hello, obituary writer. Where am I? You're having a near-death experience. I'm supposed to sit next to you until it's over. Hey! You're a loser! You can't even die right! Besides, your last words were... Kablooey. I can't allow that. Is this... heaven? Hell? Valhalla? Yes. And no. Nature isn't finite, nor is it singular. Not the way you mortals view it. To die is to become unhinged from reality. Reality as you know it. You enter a realm that is malleable, where anything is possible including the possibility that it doesn't exist at all. What you believe shapes what you experience. Just like me. I am, and I also am not. I rather like you existing. You're one of my only friends. That's sad. But if you want me to exist, I will exist. Simple as that. Usually, people go to a place that makes them feel most at home when they die. Where are we, obituary writer? Somewhere I could only go if I was dead. Being mysterious makes you sound like a schmuck! Why are you doing this? Charlotte... is my friend. That's it? Yeah. Humans are strange. I have to try. Trying is for the living. Then I'm just going to have to keep on living then, aren't I? <sighs> Very well. This is going to hurt. What is? <laughs> I jolted back to reality as I knew it. Charlotte? Charlotte! Oh, oh thank goodness, there you are. I got you. I got you. I clutched her head to my chest. She was a little scorched, but she was okay. Well, she was dead, but she was intact. The air was crisp, and by that, I mean it was ripe with the smell of dead bodies burnt to a crisp. I had been hurled up and out, 
by the explosion of Dunderforth's mausoleum, along with half the graveyard. I was sprawled at the edge of an enormous crater, shattered tombstones, scattered limbs. The scene would have been horrific, but it was snowing. A beautiful hushed snow, early for this time of year, but not unheard of. It frosted the carnage in a tranquil veil. I opened my mouth, catching a few flakes on my tongue. And that is when a charred earlobe fell from the sky and smacked me in the face, reminding me that it was in fact not snow, but the ash of hundreds of obliterated corpses. Walter Grimsley stood before the ruins of his graveyard, mouth agape. On the other side of the wreckage was a mob of deer, staring innocently at the groundskeeper. You've won this round, deer! But Dunderforth didn't put me on this earth for nothing. We will meet again! Oh. Yet another point for the psychotic wildlife of Crestfall. I absconded to the other side of the cemetery, which was largely left untouched from the blast. There was someone I needed to talk to. Hey, it's been a while. The tombstone of Charlotte's aunt, Lillian Parker, did not reply. You once said, nothing done out of love is a mistake. I don't know if what I'm doing is a mistake, but I'm doing it out of love. I hope that's enough. I'm going to find your niece. I promise. I hid Charlotte in a suit garment bag and slung her over my shoulder like I was going out for a night on the town. I needed to keep her safe, hidden, preserved. I knew just the place. I hopped on Martin the Phantom Bicycle, and we rode off together into the night. My mind wandered to the peculiar life of Gert. Against all odds, he fought to stay alive. He lost the love of his life. He was left for dead. He survived beneath the Crestfall graveyard on a diet of worms. He put up with the garbage food at Don's dinner bucket. Again and again, nature called for his death, and he fought back. Could nature be challenged? Perhaps not. Perhaps nature will always take its course, whatever that course may be, and it is best to leave it to its business. Let the dead be dead, let the deer roam free, and let the living do as they will. But Charlotte didn't die naturally. And how boring it would be if we didn't try to do something a little different. This has been the obituary of, wait, I can't publish any of this, can I? Stealing a body, blowing up a cemetery, might be a bad look. Oh well, so long, Gert. 
This has been Death by Dying. Created by Evan Gulak and Nico Gerentis. Featuring the voices of Evan Gulak as the obituary writer and the button-eyed raven. Donovan Mullings as Walter Grimsley. Tucker Ramger as Gert. Nico Gerentis as Marcus the Maggot. Maggie the Maggot and News Anchor Maggot. Headley Knights as the Silent Nuns. Lauren Denby as the Angel of Death. And Angela Morris as Charlotte Dawson. Portions of this episode were recorded by studio engineer Dave Langley at the Foxhole Chicago. Music composed by Sofk, Doug Maxwell, Scott Buckley, Hayden Fokker, Nicholas Gasparini, Darren Curtis, Stephen O'Brien, and Nico Gerentis. A very special thanks to our featured patron, September Brogan, and our Indiegogo associate producers, Louis Resto, Samariel Coster, Robert Gulak, Jordan Perkle, and Angel Acevedo. Lest we forget our eternal gratitude to Matthew Cunningham and George Zarr. If any of you Don's Dinner Bucket enthusiasts would like to send their condolences, comments, hopes, fears, or dreams, you can contact the obituary writer personally at theobituarywriter at gmail.com or follow us on social media at Death by Dying Pod. If you like what you hear, consider becoming a supporter of the show on Patreon and get access to bonus content, bloopers, messages from the Button-Eyed Raven, and more. Visit patreon.com slash deathbydyingpod or follow the link in the description. And remember, if you're going to fall in love with a woman who's hell-bent on ruining her marriage and running away with you, at least make sure you have similar tastes in food. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. The first thing you need to know about the Vegas Sci-Fi Adventure podcast is that you're not just listening to someone tell you a story. You are stepping into a world. And Vega Rex, the woman at the center of this saga, is currently sitting at the top of it. This is not by accident. For millennia, the country Vega calls home has been carefully honing the skills of its state-contracted killers, and these so-called holy warriors have gotten real good at taking down the world's worst criminals, or, as they would call it, cleansing. 400 kills into her career, Vega is the most decorated hunter there has ever been, and likely would have stayed that way if it had not been for him. An explosive encounter with the terrorist sets Vega on a path of revenge that is so thoroughly illegal that before this story is done, she will have risked it all, life, limb, and love, to satisfy her vengeance and keep her record of righteous kills perfect. My name is Ivoma Okoro, and I have so much more to tell you about this. Check out Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast anywhere you listen to them. Because baby, I'm just getting started.